Today on Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville, the second message in our series about the glorious second coming of Jesus Christ. Today's topic is called, A Church to be Thankful for and Proud of. So where does this title come from? Well, we're going to see that Paul praised the early Thessalonian churches for preserving the gospel and growing their faith deep during some heavy opposition. It's that message that inspires so many Christians today to do the same, to endure, especially during perplexing times for living out their faith in Jesus. We'll also learn that opposition comes in many different forms. Here's Pastor John with part two of the message, A Church to be Thankful for and Proud of. Persecutions, afflictions, hardship, troubles, trials in life strengthen the believer's faith. To be sure, genuine faith can be greatly shaken, but it can never be destroyed. Think of Peter. Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. And he says, you will deny me tonight three times, but Peter, take heart, be comforted, because I have prayed for you that you are listen. Faith may not fail, so that when you are restored, Peter, You can go, therefore, and comfort and help your brothers in the faith. So genuine faith can be greatly shaken, but it can never be destroyed. But on the other hand, persecution, afflictions, troubles, trials, hardships destroy false faith. This is what Jesus teaches in the parable of the sower and the seeds. He says in Matthew chapter 13, beginning verse 20, he says, as As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when affliction or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so rather than wilting and dying and falling away, Paul describes the young Thessalonian believer's faith as growing abundantly, growing beyond measure, a growth beyond natural expectation. The Thessalonians' reception and ongoing appropriation of the gospel is showing itself to be a vital force in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that just fills Paul and Timothy and Silas with ecstatic joy and heartfelt gratitude to God. Second, Paul and his companions give thanks to God for the Thessalonians' increasing love. Look what Paul says, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. This is quite remarkable. Not only is the faith of the Thessalonians growing abundantly, but their love for one another is becoming more and more in abundance. It is increasing. And so Paul continually gives thanks to God for the Thessalonians because the gospel had increased their love for one another despite the hardships they were facing. Why is that important? Because what happens typically when we go through very difficult trying times, personal testimony, is that when you are going through a hard time, you can become really crabby. I can tell you for the almost 10 years I could barely talk and was a functional mute, I was a living hell to live with. 
And yet my wife endured faithfully like these Thessalonians. <laughs> it is Mother's Day, so we'll brag on Catherine. And what did she do? Her faith grew during that time and her love increased while I was very difficult to live with. Paul is thanking God that this did not happen to these believers in the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul says that the Thessalonians have been taught by God to love one another. In chapter 4, verse 10, he says, now that you're being taught by God to love each other, he urges them to love more and more. And to his joy, when he receives additional reports about the condition of this young church, he learns from subsequent reports that his urging and his prayers for them had indeed been happening and occurring. The hardships that were, they were facing could have very well dried up their love for each other. And despite this hardship, this difficulty, this persecution, their love for one another increased so much that the word that he uses is their love was overflowing like a river that has exceeded its normal limits. That's not normal. That is the testimony of the power of the gospel working in the heart of a young person's life, a young believer's life. He could see how the gospel was producing a community of love within a community of hatred and opposition. It's also important to observe this, is that this love that was increasing was the fruit of their growing faith. Do you want to be a more loving person? Don't focus on being more loving. Focus on growing in abundant faith. And where does an abundant faith grow from? It grows in the soil of the gospel of grace. And that's what happened with these Thessalonians. It's also important to observe that the Thessalonians' growing faith and overflowing love was a direct answer to Paul's and Silas and Timothy's prayers for them from 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, Paul prays that their love and faith would grow and increase. And now in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he is giving thanks to God that his prayers for their faith and their love to increase and grow has been answered. They are thankful that the continued persecutions and afflictions have not destroyed the young convert's faith, but it is abundantly growing, and it hasn't dried up their springs of love. It is overflowing like a river. So what is the application for us? It's quite obvious. When we know brothers or sisters in the church going through a hard time in their life, never underestimate the importance and power of prayer for those who are experiencing hardships. These young believers were experiencing grave hardships, and Paul was praying specifically, Lord, let their faith grow. Lord, let their love increase. Don't let the, the springs of love dry up in this church. Don't let the faith wilt and die from these persecutions. Increase it, Father. Please do this by grace. And God did it. Was talking with a friend this week, going through a hard time, and shared this little snippet. And I said, I don't want it to sound trite, but I will pray for you. 
And I believe God can work, and I want this to be an encouragement to you. Never, never underestimate the power of prayer for those who are going through a hard time. God, the Father, cares, and he will answer. Notice the effect that was produced in Paul and his companions, Silas and Timothy, by the young Thessalonians believers, these young Thessalonian believers growing faith and increasing love. Look at verse four. He says, therefore we ourselves boast about you. This brings us to a third way that Paul seeks to comfort suffering Christians. He comforts these Thessalonians by boasting about their steadfastness in faith in the midst of persecution. Look at verse 4. He says, therefore, what is the therefore, therefore, right? You always ask that question. So it's there for this. Because of the Thessalonians' abundantly growing faith in the midst of hardship, because of their increasing love for one another in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul and his companions boast about them in the churches of God. All the churches that they come in contact with, they are boasting, they are giving high praise, they are speaking with pride about these young believers in Thessalonica, and that boasting about them is intended to comfort them. Some translations translate boast as speak proudly, speak proudly of you, or even glory in. There are two qualities that Paul and his companions are boasting or glorying in about these young believers in Thessalonica. The first is they boast about their steadfastness in the midst of persecutions and afflictions. Look what Paul says in verse 4. We ourselves, that's Paul, Timothy, and Silas, boast, we glory in, we speak proudly about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Whenever Paul and his companions visit other churches, Paul says, Paul, Timothy, and Silas are bragging about you. We glory in you to the churches. This word steadfastness means this, the capacity to hold up or bear up in the face of difficulty. It's variously translated as patience, endurance, fortitude, steadfastness, or perseverance. Uh, This word steadfastness is used two other times in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And interestingly, every time this word steadfastness is used, it refers to persevering faithfully with a view to the second coming of Christ. It is a faith, listen, grounded in the hope of the gospel that enables a person to have the capacity to hold up under difficult circumstances. A faith grounded in the second coming of Christ, the hope of the gospel produces this perseverance. Do you see that? The Thessalonian steadfastness is an example of what we call the doctrine of perseverance. This doctrine is filled with comfort. The doctrine of perseverance teaches that the believer, his or her perseverance is guaranteed 
by God's gracious preservation. Now remember back that from their initial reception of the gospel, the young Thessalonian believers experienced almost immediate persecution for their faith, right? Due to the intense conflict that Paul and his companions experienced in Thessalonica, they were forced to leave a lot sooner than they wanted to. And so Paul was concerned over the state of these young converts. How will they hold up? Will they have the capacity to endure faithfully? Will they persevere? And to his great joy, Paul received the good news that the Thessalonian believers were persevering, holding up in all their persecutions and afflictions, that despite them all, their loyalty to Christ, their loyalty to the church, and their loyalty to the gospel remained steadfast and was enduring. And so Paul was well aware that the Thessalonians' capacity to hold up and bear up under the face of difficulty had nothing to do with their own ability. Their perseverance was the fruit of faith and the result of God's preserving power and grace. This is why Paul prays repeatedly in the letter for God to preserve them and keep them until Christ returns. Listen to how he prays in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, listen to how he prays for them. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you. We don't have confidence in you. We have confidence in the Lord about you. What is this? That you are doing and will do the things that we command. Therefore, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It is the love of God in the gospel. It is the faithfulness, the endurance of Christ that keeps us persevering through all hardship and difficulty. Paul knew that. And so the power of the grace of God given freely through the gospel was preserving these young believers. And this is exactly what Paul is praying will continue. And so his companions and Paul boast, speak proudly to other churches about these young believers in Thessalonica. Why? Because they want to comfort them. They want to encourage them, and they want to use them as a model to motivate other believers who might be demonstrating less fortitude, less endurance, less steadfastness, and are being tempted to just say, forget it. The application for us is clear. We don't believe on our own, but believe in a body, a community of faith. And we need the strength and faith of others when we are going through hardships to keep us enduring. And we need to boast and glory and take pride in those who are holding up under difficult circumstances so they can be a model for others to do the same. And so Paul boasts about their faith 
because he knows that left to themselves, they would never persevere to the end. But in the midst of this persecution, the fruit of faith and the work of God's grace and spirit through the gospel is, is creating this endurance. And so secondly, look what Paul boasts about. He boasts about their faith. Look at verse, look at verse four, the end of verse four. We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and, and faith. And so Paul links their steadfastness to their faith. No genuine faith, no steadfastness. If they didn't have genuine faith, they would have never been able to remain steadfast under these hard uh, conditions. Paul calls them persecutions and afflictions. Persecutions, what does that mean? It is hostile actions of the enemies of the gospel. Afflictions are varied pressures and painful experiences. What were some of the painful experiences? What were some of the alienations and pressures that these young believers faced by receiving the gospel? Well, we saw last week that they experienced alienation from family. They experienced alienation from friends. The people in Thessalonica were turning against them. They were being put in prison. And yet, in spite of all of that, they have endured because of their faith. You know, it's very easy when you begin, especially to experience alienation and conflict and pushback from close family members, it's easy to say, you know what, maybe we'll just tone this down a little bit and back off a little bit, right? And it's easy just to walk away and do something that's a little bit more comfortable so the family members back off. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody individually here. I'm talking to you out of my own experience. What would be easy for me to do? And the Thessalonians did not do this. It's important to understand, here's our application, that persecution, hostility from enemies of the gospel, varied pressures and painful experiences, and they are to be expected in this life. This is life east of Eden. Normal life ended in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall and disobedience of Adam and Eve. There's no such thing as a normal, comfortable life east of Eden. Persecutions, afflictions, opposition, discomfort with family and friends and whoever we run into is to be expected. It has always existed against God's people and is following a pattern since Cain murdered Abel right after the fall. In John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus reminds his disciples, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. It's easy to tone it down in high school, isn't it, young people? It's easy to turn it down in middle school, tone it down in middle school, because you want to be in. You don't like to be made fun of and lumped off to the side and be the little oddball out, right? And you walk in and you can just feel the tension because everybody knows, oh, he's here, or oh, she's here, right? Just tone it down, get along. The fact is, is if you're a believer in Christ and receive the gospel, you're strange because the Bible says you're an alien and a pilgrim 
and you're just different, and there's nothing you can do about it. Paul makes it clear in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, that there's no such thing as the normal life until the glorious second coming of Christ, when he executes vengeance on the enemies of his gospel and executes vindication, which is glorification, for his saints. That's what normal life returns. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul reminds his young church that Christians are destined to suffer afflictions for their faith. Listen to what he says. He says, we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. We sent Timothy because we were concerned you weren't going to make it. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. These persecutions and afflictions accompanied the beginning of the Thessalonian church, and they continued. So the question is, in Disneyland America, right, if you knew that Paul came to your church and said, let me just warn you beforehand, you will suffer affliction to receive this good news today. How many of you are going to sign up? That's what these young believers did. Despite immediate opposition, they continued to endure under burdensome and troubling circumstances without giving in. I'll tell you something that grieves a pastor's heart is when people quit. It hurts deeply. Paul, when he wrote this letter, was profoundly discouraged, which brought me great comfort this week. Because he wanted these believers to keep going. And he was concerned that they wouldn't. And when he found out that they did, he was overjoyed. And we ought to give thanks to God. His heart was filled with gratitude and elated with joy so that he began to boast about them among other churches. The missionary church planters were filled with heartfelt thanksgiving and a holy pride that these believers didn't give up when they began to face opposition for their faith in the church. This young church, filled with young believers in the faith, were marked by an abundantly growing faith and increasing love, a steadfast perseverance all in the midst of persecution and afflictions and alienation from family and friends. And this faith, love, and perseverance are the fundamental fruits and evidence of a genuine saving faith. And it was for this reason, it was for their faith, it was for their love, it was for their perseverance that Paul and his companions Timothy and Silas were driven. We ought, we must give thanks to God, which is right, and boast about you among the churches. This young Thessalonian church was a church to be thankful for and proud of. 
And so Paul begins his letter by confirming these gracious qualities of faith, love, and steadfastness in the midst of suffering to comfort these suffering young believers in the faith. And this has profound teaching for us today, does it not? Let's pray. And so, Father, we pray that as we face hardships and afflictions in our life, not quite like these believers, but yet we do face hardships and afflictions. We do face pressures. We pray that our faith could grow abundantly. We pray that our love for each other could increase. And we pray that in the midst of difficulties, we would remain steadfast immovable and endure, have the capacity to hold up as we look by faith to the hope of the gospel, this glorious second coming of Christ. Give us faith to do that and establish our hearts in the hope of the gospel as you did these young believers 2,000 years ago. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called A Church to be Thankful for and Proud of, Part 2. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time 